Welcome to Untold Physio Stories, a podcast that informs and educates by connecting you to rehab industry leaders who share their candid successes and failures in business and practice. Welcome back to Untold Physio Stories, the only physio slash physical therapy podcast in the world where we regularly talk about uh, short form stories, often based on failures or something uh, significant that you can learn from. Today we have a listener submission and a guest, Dr. Andrew Summers, who has several interesting cases hopefully split up over the course of a couple episodes. Welcome, Andrew. Uh, Tell us a little about yourself and then why don't you share your stories with us. Sure. Um, Well, my name is Andrew. I'm a DPT about two years out here in Oklahoma. Um, I work for Physical Therapy Central, and we're a big private outpatient company. So we do we do a whole lot of pretty much everything we can get our hands on. So um, yeah, I had a couple of crazy cases come up that I wanted to go through today. If you're up for it. Yeah, for sure. And the other thing is I forgot to say, hey, it's Dr. E with Untold Physio Stories and my co-host Jason Shane is not in. Yes, I have done this before. Four seasons in, you think I would remember to do simple things like that. But okay, time for the stories. That's the best part. It's charming. I like it. Yes. I'll never never sound like I've done this before, right? Yeah, that's, that's good. All right, go ahead. All right. So, um, you know, first case I wanted to talk about was, uh, a lady that had come in about two weeks or so after she had gone to see her doctor because she was having some gait issues. Um, she was in her low 70s or so. Um, after she went to see the doc, about a few days later, she woke up one morning just completely unable to walk. She said she got out of bed and basically fell and landed on her face. And uh, her husband got up and got her up, got her to the bathroom and everything. And then uh, they pretty much just got her into a wheelchair and went along business as usual. So um, a little while after that, she comes to me for the evaluation, um, basically going through you know some bullet points of her stuff. Um, everything looked all right except for these few things. Um, she definitely had some weakness in... L4, S1 area, you know, and and we're talking profound. It was like no dorsiflexion and um, plantar flexion was pretty weak, but not not anywhere near as severe as dorsiflexion. And she had no cranial nerve issues or anything like that. I basically couldn't get her out of the wheelchair without at least mod assist from somebody else. And it was pretty much max for her to be able to step and walk anywhere. She had no dermatome impairment. Um, upper extremity, lower extremity, anything like that. No upper extremity myotone changes. And pretty much the only other thing that I saw was a clonus in the left lower extremity. And she also had a positive Babinski's on the left side. So um, the, the weird thing about this was is that she had zero pain. No, no pain throughout all of this. So I was, you know, I was a little confused at that point because I didn't really know exactly what was going on. I had a couple of suspicions, you know, thinking, oh, maybe she had a a stroke or some sort of weird painless fracture, which would be a little odd. Um, so I basically finished the eval and said, hey, I'm going to have to 
call your doc because something is weird here. I don't really know exactly what's going on. So I um, didn't do any treatment or anything the first day and called her referring doc and said, hey, we probably need to get some more imaging or something else like that. And she's had a big change in status since you saw her. So the doc got her back in and they did an MRI and she had cancer and in a whole bunch of different places. And we never really got the specifics because I didn't think it would be tactful to question the family, you know, about a whole bunch of spe specifics after, you know, they found out that she had late stage cancer. So, um, but she ended up passing away after that, about, oh, a month after I saw her for the evaluation. And so it was, it was definitely unfortunate and, you know, everything that happened, but the, uh, the weird thing was, is just it, you know, none of the, none of the other signs they typically tell you to look for, for cancer were there, you know, she had no previous cancer, no family history, no night pain, no, no pain at all. So that was a little odd. So, but anyway, so that, that was kind of our first case. And the second case I wanted to talk about um, was another older gen gentleman in his eighties. And he had fallen and landed on his arm on the ice. And we have wicked ice storms out here, by the way, they're pretty crazy. So, um, he had fallen and ended up going to another PT clinic in the area and that was pretty much just doing modality-based care and everything. Um, so he felt like he wasn't really getting enough, so he decided to come over and see us instead. Um, uh, whenever he came in and I was doing the eval and everything, he was telling me about some other stuff he'd been having going on since he fell. Some, he was having some balance problems and loss of balance while walking, standing. Um, I started trying to dig a little bit deeper into the balance stuff and he was telling me he was having nausea and he was gagging and once it was really, really severe, he, had, he went to the hospital and they basically just sent him on his way, didn't really do a whole lot of testing or anything like that. Um, he also reported some headaches on his left side. He fell onto the left side, I don't know if I mentioned that. Um, but the, the weirdest thing about this case was he had bleeding from his right ear whenever he was sleeping. And this happened maybe two or three times um, after he had fallen, and he, he didn't have a cut on his ear or anything like that, but if he would sleep on the right side, occasionally he would get some bleeding, which was bizarre. I still have no clue what that was about, <laughs> so maybe we can discuss that later. But um, really, th those were some of the biggest things that he had mentioned. Um, he had poor hearing in the right ear, um, lots of leg fatigue um, on the right side specifically, but he was also getting a little bit on the left. Um, he had a little bit, he was a little bit more hypersensitive on his left upper extremity. Um, really the only other thing that was remarkable there was kind of what you would expect to find with massive rotator cuff tear type stuff, decreased range of motion, all planes, and pain with any of the manual muscle testing that I did at the shoulder. Pretty weak overall between like a three minus and a four. So um, the then I started doing my neuro screening because after that last case, I wasn't about to skip neuro screening for pretty much anybody. So he had... Um, Real quick, how much time between both of these cases were there? Oh man, um, let's see. The first one was about 
four to six months after I graduated. And then this case was less than a year after that. I'd say probably at least three to four months after that, if I remember right. I could be wrong, but... Okay. Yeah. So um, he was hyper-reflexive at brachioradialis and gastrocconsoleus at the quads and all this on the left side. And the right side was hypo-reflexive, you know, one, one plus range or so. But he also had negative Hoffman's... Um, the, the the weirdest thing that I saw besides the uh, weird ear bleeding thing was a clonus test on the left wrist flexors. So if I was um, or no left wrist flexion. So if I was um, quick stretching him into wrist flexion, he would get this strange kind of flexion synergy where his elbow would flex and his shoulder would flex and adduct and his fingers would curl. Now none of this was on the right side. And I could reproduce it over and over again. So that was a little bit odd. Um, definitely something I was kind of wary of. So <clears throat> at this point, I was thinking at least some of what he had going on was potentially like a TBI or a, a hemorrhage or something like that. And wasn't really sure. So again, um, I called his referring provider. And the one of the toughest parts about this case was that I couldn't really get a hold of the provider to say, hey, here's what's going on. I basically had to leave a message and never really heard back from the provider or anything like that. So that was probably the toughest part with getting him back in to get looked at. So <clears throat> we basically started care very cautiously. And I was going through doing just some basic, you know, rotator cuff strengthening stuff. So he was still in a decent amount of pain. So we did some kind of desensitization stuff and all that. Um, made a little bit of progress and I only saw him for about two weeks or so and he finally heard from his provider he went back for additional imaging and again cancer like everywhere and um, didn't really find out specifics of where it was or what stage or how um, what type it was where it started but yeah kind of crazy yeah in your email you said you think brain too which would right at least account for partially the the ear bleeding, which I think is, is a crazy thing, but yeah. Um, yeah, you know, that, that's a lot of cancer cases to see in less than two years of graduation. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I've only seen four in almost 20 years and many people really don't see that much just because statistically you're, you're probably not going to run into it if everyone is doing their job. Right. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, you know, I think the other thing is it, it really shows the importance of taking a thorough history. I mean, it's the, the second patient had actually seen another clinician and, you know, it's like, it's, it, it'd be so simple. You think it just to do a cursory exam, it's like, oh, I fell, I landed on my left side. Now my shoulder hurts. Oh, his shoulder's weak. It hurts when he moves it. But if you don't ask anything else, or you don't test right. anything else, you probably wouldn't notice that it, there's anything unusual about it, Right. Right. And, and that, you know, that's kind of what I was thinking whenever I, you know, started talking to him. I, I basically just said, I, I can't remember where I read it or who said it, but, and what else, what else, what else, you know, is there anything else going on? And I just kept asking over and over and over again, just more information kept coming out. And that's, that's a standard practice for me now after these cases. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. One of my favorite questions to ask is, is there anything else you need to tell me that you think is maybe unrelated to this or just 
um, anything else I should be aware of that you think is unusual, mm-hmm. you know, n- not having to do with whatever, why you're here, any previous history or anything. Cause people just, they'll talk about their shoulder, 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 shoulder. And then to be like, Oh yeah, you know what? I fell down the stairs the other day. I just didn't think yeah. it was related to this or, or whatever, but yeah, well, that's uh, those are some crazy cases. And, um, yeah, I'm sure it made you very, very cautious. Oh yeah. And I'm, I'm still upper motor neuron testing frequently. Um, I had a student not long ago who, you know, wasn't with me for these cases, but, um, one of my big things that we always discussed was, Hey, upper motor neuron testing takes literally like 30 seconds. You can go through it really quickly. Why not? Um, because you just may pick something up and, um, sure enough, she had somebody come in for routine uh, low back pain, mechanical type stuff, and she just went through a quick, a quick neuro screen and found Clonus, Babinski's, and a Hoffman's on one side, and he ended up being diagnosed with MS after that. So, right, kind of crazy well, how that stuff right. works. Yeah, very similar to the case I just podcasted about where I saw someone with low back pain. It turns out that he had cancer all over the place, and actually his low back pain got better, which is the thing that confused me. Yeah, yeah. that's the that was the weird thing with these cases. Neither one of them fit the signs they typically tell you to look for, like night right. pain or prior cancer or, you know, those are the big ones, and uh, yeah. you know, lack of progression. Well, we didn't, I didn't really have that as a benchmark, and that was basically the first contact point besides that second case so right i think the lack of progression you would have had anyway right yeah yeah you didn't even give them you didn't even give them like that whole um systematic review lack of progression what the systematic review said the lack of progression within a month yeah i think that many times people should progress even faster than that but i think a month is a pretty good cutoff for for most patients it was a complete lack of progression so all right andrew well thank you for coming on and um do you have a company or like a social media that you want to promote while you're on? Sure. Um, really, I'm just part of Physical Therapy Central's network. I'm I'm a staff provider out here. You know, I don't I don't own or run one of our clinics or anything like that. But um, I am on Twitter. I don't really post a whole lot, but I follow just about everybody under the sun in PT that I've been able to find at least. So. And I'm at um, Andrew, and then the letters E A D G on Twitter. I'm also on. All right. Well, well, so. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. Uh, We'll hopefully have you on for another podcast soon. And thanks to Updoc Media for hosting. I'm Dr. E. Follow me on Modern Manual Therapy on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. Check out themanualtherapist.com for our awesome uh, blog updates that are updated daily. And check out edgemobilitysystem.com. And hopefully we'll have Jason Shane back on as well, co-hosting in the future. Thanks so much.